Hi, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Erin. And we're here to keep it real, raw, and what it means to be the confident woman. All right, friends, we have a special guest joining us today for our episode. We have Leslie Thornton. She is an NLP practitioner, hypnotist. Wow, I can't even say the word. Hypnotist, certified coach who's helped hundreds of people around the world overcome the obsession with food, body, and weight for good. He's a founder and CEO of Hypnosis for Permanent Weight Loss and international multiple six-figure health coach programming program for people seeking mental freedom from food, body, and weight, and is a leading expert in the holistic health space. So yes, 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 and yes. We have a lot of listeners that are going to be very interested in all of these things. So for our listeners that maybe don't know NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, do you want to kind of explain what that is just real quick for them? Yeah, absolutely. So the whole premise of the fact that whatever we think in our minds basically becomes our reality. I think the podcast episode that I first heard from your podcast was this woman who was talking about how she had, she made a decision to just no longer entertain doubt any uncertain thoughts. And like, I was so, I was so <laughs> glad I picked that one to listen to because I was like, yes. She's just like, I wouldn't allow any doubt thought to get into my brain at all. So with neurolinguistic programming, it's just becoming aware of just that, of like, everything is based on these little messages based on our past, right? Our upbringing, our schooling, our parenting, our religious backgrounds that equals how we see the world. And so once we become aware of that, and then we get tools for how to actually change the neural pathways in our brains and quickly, you know, divert to a different route to get a different result, including more confidence and more alignment towards what it is that you want, then you start to get different results. So that's how that is. I love that because it's so true because it's all day long. We don't realize how many thoughts we have a day. So just the fact of bringing the awareness to what it actually is that you're thinking about is actually kind of scary probably for some people. Well, absolutely. And I think it's like humbling to remember, like, even though I know that, even though trainers of that, like, we're all still swimming in our own fishbowls of what we don't know that we don't know yet. Like, there's always more to uncover. And it's like, you know, but doing the work consistently makes us, you know, empowered to keep going and digging so that we can keep getting to that next level and that next level of personal growth and mastery. Right. And so... Uh, oh, sorry, uh, no, I was just going to say it, but I love, I love how you tied it in. You know, when we look at it from the NLP, the whole concept of the programming is that rewriting the programming, right? So we, we catch ourselves before we start reacting in those, you know, automated responses about things. So I, I'm sure we're going to dive deep into this, but I love this stuff. This is really fascinating yeah. to me. And Aaron knows that I can like go deep on these things because this is something that sure I can. actually had to do all a life change. And so. Anything that requires that, or we talk about it, it's like a huge fascination and like a passion to mind. I'm like, ooh, tuned in and I'm like ready to roll. So yeah. I know we're going to dive deep into it. Yeah. And, and depth is my, is my uh, area of swimming there, even though I hate swimming, but we're going to go deep here. I'm curious to know what happened. Obviously, you decided to get NLP certified practitioner, all that kind of stuff. What made you decide I'm going to take this information I know and how I can help people and I'm going to focus it towards weight loss and body image and yeah that was my primary story like it's so <laughs> like my awakening happened because of my being completely mentally obsessed about food body and weight 
Eight years old was the first time I was made aware of my body being bigger than my sister's body. And I have a slower metabolism. So here's how you look at fat content. Here's how you look at calories. And I kind of made it my little project as a third grader to like start to know about that. Third grade. That's right. You know, drinking Slim Fast Shakes by fourth grade, Weight Watchers by eighth grade, Atkins, South Beach, became a personal trainer in college, nursing major, like all of it. Yeah, was because of that. Yeah. And you know, what starts as being like a good intention, like, let's just help Leslie be healthy, you know, and maybe prevent her from, you know, society pointing their fingers at her because she's overweight, like turns into something that completely destroyed my mental peace, my like sanity about just day to day life, like the way that I viewed myself as, you know, different and, you know, not normal. And, you know, I probably wouldn't be a leader today if I didn't think that I was different and not normal. So there's right. good things that come out <laughs> of that too. But it got to a point where it was unbearable. I actually studied abroad in Mexico in 2010 when I was in nursing school. And it was just a huge year for me when my <laughs> astrologer actually looked at my natal birth chart at one point. She's like, what happened in 2010? She was like, some people in their entire lives never have Pluto cross, whatever. And it happened. I was like, I'm literally wearing a bracelet that I put on in 2010. Like I don't have tattoos and like this. is yeah. So the fact that she pointed out that year, this was like a huge pivotal year for me, but wow. kind of looked around as I studied abroad and I was like, nobody knows me here. Like, no one's going to judge me for the way that I'm eating, no family around or whatever. And so I just was like, I'm just going to eat all the Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. I also like met a guy who he didn't drink alcohol. And like, I kind of had this little voice in my head that was like, mm, I think the drinking's getting over the top at like age 21. So <laughs> stop drinking because I was like, I'd rather hang out with this guy. And then the food became like even more exciting because there wasn't the balance of the alcohol. And um, yeah. And so I was like, I was feeling good though at the time. Cause I was like, all right. And it's Mexican culture. And it's like, Oh, it's kind of socially acceptable for women to be a little overweight because it means abundance. And like, you yeah. have enough money to have extra food. And I was like, I can get way down with this culture. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I like, came back to the United States after that study abroad experience, like fat and happy. And I was like, untouchable. Right. And then it was like six months getting back into the United States where I remember being in my college apartment my senior year and looking in the mirror and I'm in a pair of jeans and it was like not happy. Like the same old thing that I remembered from all the years of up and down with my weight of just like absolute despair. And this was the worst of the worst because usually in those times it would be like, well, here's another, like, I'll do this diet now. But in this moment, it was like, I cannot do another diet again. And I am miserable in my body and with the way that I look. So that kind of started me in this place of like, you know, just like surrender. And like, so I basically said to myself, I'm either going to have to figure out how to be fat and happy forever, like really and be at peace with it, no matter what that looks like, or I'm going to have to figure this thing out for real. Like, how come some people don't have to be mentally obsessed with this? And I am, you know, and as what often happens when we surrender, I actually discovered hypnosis and as a nurse was like, what is this crap? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it was real. Why wouldn't they have taught me this in nursing school? You know, <laughs> but I was so desperate that I ended up trying it on. 
And prior to listening to the hypnosis, the way I would describe it was it felt like there was like a energetic cord that was like attaching like me to the refrigerator or like to the cabinet, like ice cream is calling my name, like cookies in the cabinet. Like when's my sister going to go to bed so I can just go all at the cookies, <laughs> like, you know, like the sneak eating and like yeah. the weird, like scavenger, like packing up bags of food. Cause I don't know if it's going to last me long enough during the day, like weird stuff. And I'm like a successful human, like there's, yeah. you know, but it's like doing these behaviors that are like, what is this? And so that was before. And then I, you know, put on the headphones and listened to my own voice one night after doing all this pre-work and whatever about the hypnosis and woke up the next day. And the way I describe it is it felt like there was like, like a tingling in the air. Like it was like, it's not like you don't know what's happening. It was like, I knew that the first thoughts that I usually would have during the day is like, where's the coffee? What am I going to have for breakfast? Like that would just be, it was like, I knew that would usually be the first thing, but like that cord wasn't there. It felt like I was able to just like sit back in my body for the first time ever and just like observe it and like relax around it. And so all of that panic feeling that I had of like, oh my God, like if I give into this craving, I'll never be able to stop. And I'm going to become 600 pounds and be on my 600 pound life. Like that fear went away, which was like just a huge gift in and of itself, you know, to just be like, all right, I'm not going to binge myself to the grave which I say that and it's like, it's a serious thing. Like it yeah. felt very terrifying. And I thought that was like the plague that I was going to have to have for the rest of my life. Like I just thought I was dealt a bad hand. I felt that I was an addict and yeah, it was just was a whole talk about NLP and like the disempowering conversations, you know, it's like diet mentality teaches us like, I can't trust myself. I can't trust my body. I'm out of control. I'm an addict depending on what flavor you came from. Like, I was in a program that came from like Food Addicts Anonymous. So there's just like a lot of that, you know, kind of stuff. And it was really affecting my confidence as a woman and like my growth. Like I could only go so far with that mindset. And I had to dig myself out of that hole. So the hypnosis was step number one, but really digging into like my emotions and who I am and my relationship stuff and everything like that to become, you know, my most authentic self and, you know, get the shame out of the way and all the things has led me to where I am today and helping other people to be able to do the same. Yes. So much good. Did you actually ever go to Food Addicts Anonymous? I didn't, but I researched in high school to go to Overeaters Anonymous with a good friend of mine. Um, She and I like like searched out the meetings and didn't end up going, but I ended up in a program that was a derivative of that. Because obviously if those things exist, People are going, but I think that's a true because how it, how it correlates and, and spills over to every other area of your life. Because it's like, I feel like how, what you were saying, like, I'm a successful human being. Like I do well at certain things. And I'm always like, why can't I control how many slices of pizza I have? Like, why do I feel like this is the last time I'm ever going to see pizza ever again? So, but you're right. Because then that portrays over. Cause then it's like, okay, well, you know, it just, you know, leaves the lower energy and then you don't feel whatever, right? It just like parlays into other areas of your life, it, just like an addict, right? And the, the way you were describing it, like you were talking about like sneak eating. I'm like, I've like ordered pizza and like threw the box away and like wrapped pizza up and hit it for my husband. So he wouldn't know that I had it. But that's like what an addict would do. Absolutely. And I really appreciate your willingness to share that because a lot of people do that. I mean, I'm this is what I do all day, every day and have conversations with people. Everybody does that. And it's like, this is a, it's an, it's a problem. 
that yeah. it's happening. And, and, and it's sad because everybody feels isolated and alone on an Island. When I was in high school dealing with this, I remember sharing it with a few friends, like, you know, talking about how much this is by and like, nobody understood. Like everyone's like, what? Like, no. And, you know, and then you start feeling crazy. Cause you're like, Oh, like that's yeah. not a normal thing. Okay. And then I just learned to shut up about it, but it made it worse. And so again, I appreciate you sharing that because just clearing the shame that like, Hey, I'm not the only one that does that just like allows for an opening to, you know, heal past it. And it's, it's a mental thing. It's a mind game. We got to learn how to play with what's happening and like the scarcity mindset thing of like, I'm never going to be able to have pizza again that we get from diet mentality. Right. Is what makes like the second we get stressed out, it's like pizza, 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 pizza. Like you can't right. think about anything else. But when you actually allow yourself to have pizza normally and not make a thing about it, which can take a recovery period, like my weight had to go up like before it could balance out at first when I was recovering from this whole mentality. But now when I'm stressed, it's like I have a whole array of like what I want to do with that stress. Pizza is one part of that possibility you know, but it's not the obsessive and only thing I can think about. And like, that's what takes out that like foveal vision of like, Oh, like addict thing, yeah. you know, which is real. And we think that it's just like, Oh, I'm just messed up. But it's like, no, it's because of the way that we're viewing these things and the right. energy behind it. Mm. I love, right. I love I am- all of this because I can totally relate to everything you were just saying. I'm literally like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and it's crazy because just even, even prior to us jumping on, she was asking, uh, you know, about my, if, if I was into bodybuilding and, but I was, I was a former fitness competitor because of all my past, very similar to what you had said. I remember in eighth, you know, I was eight years old and feeling different and looking down differently to, you know, obsessing about my body to the weight to restriction with food to overeating to binging, and then feeling so disgusted the way I I looked and felt that I turned to like, you know, gas pills, laxatives, uh, diuretics, anything to get it out of me as quickly as possible. And when you had said, you know, going through all the diets, because I've done all that too, that I got to my wits end. And I was just like, there has got to be an answer to this riddle because I see other people doing it. So how is it possible? And in my kind of, you know, warped mindset back then was, well, what the one thing I hadn't tried, you know, I did all the diets, but I hadn't actually set a goal. And at this time, like bodybuilding for the bikini division was completely new to the industry. And I saw Miss Olympia and I was like, well, instead of me trying to look at these diets or fit into a different size, what if I looked like her? And then I had a trainer at the gym. He's like, well, let's, let's give it a try. Now this is decades, decades that got to this point. And still it didn't fix all the back stuff. It just exacerbated it because I overworked and, you know, I I share all this in my book, chasing perfection. Like seriously, we're getting to that point where if it was good enough, therefore I'm enough. And it, it was just, you know, when I stepped on stage and looking at myself in the mirror at the time, it was like, this isn't even who I wanted to be. So I, my question is to you, like when you finally kind of got to there, how much of your identity was attached to it? And what did you have to let go in order for you to set yourself free into, you know, this whole process, this journey? Yeah, there was so much like around identity that, you know, had to be let go of. And, you know, something that I really see, you know, as we're on this path and like reflecting back at my own, and obviously you had your, and for anyone listening, because I've been talking about this a lot lately with people on my podcast around um, trusting that everything that you did was the right thing at that time. 
right? Like, it's like, we almost have to exhaust like every little like spark, right? It's like, okay, you saw that bodybuilder. And maybe there was like a passion of like, I like, okay, I'll do that. And like, you know, so it's like, we learn something from everything. And I remember when I went to a therapist in college, um, because of this, and actually, it was for a different thing. And she was like, well, how are you doing with your self care? And I was like, oh, I'm like an exercise addict. I'm at the gym all the time. And she's like, okay, like, well, that can be an issue. And I was just like, nope, not an issue for me. And it wasn't right. Like at the time, like my level of consciousness at the time, like it wasn't, but I never forgot that she said like, well, that can be an issue. And so when it did become in my awareness, an issue that was the first place I went, right? And it was like two years later, went to the therapist and I was like, remember when we had that talk two years ago? Like, it is an issue. Like, this is a problem and I just didn't know it then. Only you can know in your intuition of like when it's actually a problem or like something that's different or whatever. And usually the sign of that is you can't stick to your diet plan anymore. You used to be able to stick to it and now you can't right? And you can't get motivation back. You'll get a few days together that are good. And then, right, it's a sign that something's out of alignment, that you're doing it for a reason that may not actually be your inner truth of what you want, right? Maybe you're doing it because you're afraid of gaining weight, or you're afraid that society won't accept you or whatever, versus I think it'd be really awesome to look like that woman, like, let's try it. And then we're successful at it, right? So as far as it, like, I got to a point where I knew that it was a problem. It's kind of like addicts. Like the first step is knowing you have a problem. But with myself, when it came to identity, it was like, well, if I'm not staying on this plan that used to work for me, like, what is it? Like, what, what do I actually want at this phase in my life? And like the importance of pausing and asking yourself that question on a regular basis. I just heard a stat the other day that only like, 3% of humans actually write down their goals and desires and wants. And like they, the people that do, they actually get it, you know? So taking that time to ask yourself, like let go of Instagram, let go of social, like let go of your family thing. Like what do you want? You know? And so I got to a place where it's like, I want to learn how to love and accept my body, no matter what that means about my body. Like I want to get past my fears. I want to not be afraid of eating carbs. Like, I want to be able to socialize with my friends and family and have a cocktail if I want to and not feel like I'm isolated from people because I'm on the next fast or cleanse anymore. Like that was my truth. So then it becomes being aware of like how the mind works. And it's like, great, find the container for that and get in it as soon as possible and surrender to that mindset until you get it. Right. So I had to let go of like, if I get fatter, I won't be able to attract my soulmate, right? Like that was a huge fear and a big fear that my clients is like, they're, they're like, I need to lose weight. I need to lose weight. But then when we dig deeper, it's like, okay, why? It's like, they are so lonely and they want to be with a partner and they feel not good enough, not worthy enough of going after it with the current body they have. And it's just like, it's just not true. Like there's so many humans that like a bigger body, like your body that you have today is the perfect body for somebody out there. It's just about you having peace around whatever it is that happens. So my identity wise of like, yeah, I had to let go of that belief. I studied a friend of mine who was going dating and, and she had, I knew she had a bigger body because we had met each other in like that kind of world diet world. Uh, when she met her husband and I was like, how did dating go when you had a bigger body? She's like, oh my gosh, 
all these men thought I was like a fertility queen. They like yeah. put their hands off me. And I was like, oh my God, like talk about a belief changer. Like I was yeah. like, that I would, that would never cross my mind. Like I grew up in the mindset of like, you have to be thin to be attractive, like period. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'll never forget the first time I was scrolling through Instagram as I was in a container to change my beliefs around all of this and saw a woman with a bigger body. And I was like, what a beautiful woman was the first thought I had. Like she looks so happy. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it's happening. Right. Cause whatever judgment we have around the other people we see is what we judge ourselves for. And it was like, ah. so I don't know if I'm answering fully your question, yeah. but it's just, it's a whole identity shift of, yeah. of that. But I've been able to attract things. Like when I was super skinny, I was attracting guys who were like, kind of douchebag. <laughs> you can say all say, those things. There's no rules. Yes. Thanks for the permission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they weren't the quality, but it was like, and then if I did find someone who was like more like committed or whatever, they had food and body image stuff and like that projection, you know, like that's how relationships work. So it was like, and I did get into a relationship and one day the guy who I was dating, he like called me up on his way to work and he was like, Hey, this is going to like, this probably isn't going to make you very happy, but I was just looking at photos of us from four months ago. And I just realized like you've put on a lot of weight, you know, since the last time we blah, blah, blah. And I lost it. Like, I just, I didn't even know what to do. Like, I'm not like someone who gets whatever, whatever, but like, I just, I just, I couldn't, I, I didn't even know what to do. It was like the first time that I just like was reactionless, but like, I think it was like livid beyond emotions. Like, I don't even know. Like yeah. he called you out on your weight like that. And this is just yeah, a guy you're dating. Exactly. exactly. And uh, so it's so easy to like, you know, say like, oh, this is so disrespectful, but I'm a self-aware human. And I'm like, if this is triggering me like this, then this is really about my wound. Yeah. Like this is just showing me like, yes, it's probably not great that he said that, but I know that this is, I'm not with this person anymore, but <laughs> I, right. Like, so he really like awakened me to the fact yeah. that this ran way deep and like, honestly, like had to heal the mom wound because she was the one who educated me about this. And like, he became mom for me and then I'm yeah. mad. And then I'm like angry eating like at <laughs> him, but it's like really at mom, you know, right. weird yeah. things that, you know, food just uncovers it all when you actually dig into it because it really is the first thing of love, nourishment, connection, like for all human beings. So when people get to the place where they're willing to look at their relationship with food, body and weight, I think it's like the last frontier. Like you're going to get so many amazing things. It's not an easy process, but the alternative of not living like full freedom and peace, like is way worse. Right. It's, it's like the big breakthrough to complete freedom because when we set ourselves free of, you know, our, our own attachments to our identity, to our beliefs, to the shame, to the guilt, to, you know, the conditions that we put ourselves through, what else is possible, right? So the freedom all starts within when we really do that inner deep work. And I mean, I'm sitting here like, I, I relate to so much of your story. Like this is, I feel like we're, we've, you know, cut from the, the same cloth, but different patterns. Like it's crazy, <laughs> you know, but it's, we see this throughout, you know, our society because we've been conditioned that, you know, as women, we need to be a certain size because certain size means that you're attractive, you're accepted, that's beautiful, it's worthy. And that's what you, you find love. 
And that was very similar to me. That's really set that. So the whole quest on there, but I, I had actually struggled with body dysmorphia. So I perceived myself as much larger than I, than I actually was. So that was something that really had to, I had to come to grips with as well as managing the whole eating disordered and disordered eating, which affected my body, but it became a way for me to control and manipulate um, you know, using food and, and extreme exercise so that I could be a certain size or smaller. But yet, when you didn't see it, because the warp perception, it was just this whole vicious cycle. And that's what led me to the fitness stage, because I just wanted to look like them. And if it, if I can get there, like overnight, just whatever it's necessary, just let me do it. But yeah, <laughs> I, I had to get, you know, after I was like, holy crap moment, like, yeah, this, this really isn't the, uh, the answer I was looking for. And right. that was the digging deep into, you know, uncovering and rediscovering who I am. But I think for all of us women listening, we really do have to question ourselves. Like, you know, first of all, wh- where do these beliefs come from? What are the uh, the challenges that got me there? And really go back. And I love that you were even saying you ask a question, and you go, why? And you ask a question, why? Because we always think it's just like one or two layers deep, but it goes way deep. It goes deep into our childhood. So even That's though where it gets it- tough. Right. And so we could see this happen in our adulthood or even young adulthood, but yet follow the trail. Right. I assume probably the same thing for you. You had mm-hmm. a, you had to go pretty, pretty deep. Absolutely. All the way in. And, you know, and, and, you know, I think just the foundation for people listening is to just like, look at your, you know, parenting, like was mom worried about her weight? Was she concerned about food? Like, was there, right. There's always kind of like, you know, it's like, Oh, I remember my grandmother coming you know, like up from Florida to visit us, you know, she was down there in the winter and she like heard her say like, Oh, let's just put on some weight. And you know, like weight was just always the conversation. Both my yeah. things just like, so just looking at like, what was those? Cause you know, for some people it's money and for some people it's sex. And for some people it's like, you know, it's just like, okay, like, just look at it, you know, it's yeah. like everybody has something that the brain will just kind of like latch onto as like their place. And what's unfortunate, in my opinion, is like how society and like the medical framework is coming from that place of, and this is also the mindset that I grew up in with a family full of healthcare providers is like problem, fix it, like problem diagnosis, like bad, right? So I was like also growing up in the lens of like, well, what's wrong with Leslie, you know? And yeah. so we go and we're like, we have these things that are going on with food, like the disordered eating and the body dysmorphia and all the things. And then if we go to a practitioner, that's like then treating the wrong or bad, like, oh yeah, there is a part of you that's broken. And like, here's how we traditionally fix it, like with a medication or with whatever, but like without the entire like water that you're swimming in of the fishbowl of like, you know, what if there isn't anything wrong with you? Like, what if it's, you know, like, what if it's actually, so like to have a coach, I'll give an example. Like one of my favorite things to talk about, I have never been bulimic. I tried as, you know, in four, when I was 14 or something, cause I had a friend who would purge and she, we never talked about it, but like, she just did. I, I knew that she did. And I had tried same, you know, but it didn't work. So I never went that route, but it could have easily been me if it worked, you know? But the way that I would describe it is like, it's like a feeling, right? It's like you have the anxiety in your body, right? And it's like the purge function of actually purging it like feels good. Like it like helps the anxiety feeling like just that, you know, it's just like, like, yes, right. Mm -hmm. And like, who talks about that? You know, everything is just around like, oh, you're broken. Like you have bulimia. And it's like, no, you found a really smart way at a young age to fix a problem that felt painful for you, you know, 
Now we just need to acknowledge the fact that like, okay, what else is a way that we can get that same feeling without purging, you know, or like, how do we deal with that? Just something I feel really passionate about is like going to a place where you're not going to be viewed at as someone who has this horrible thing that you can't get out of and someone who sees the possibility and can really just speak your language of like, I understand what that's like. And here's what you can do instead. And how do you think about that? And what was your family history like? And just peeling back all the layers and going through the emotions and and trying things out and seeing if it works. And if it does, keep doing it and create new habits and patterns. Yeah. Right. So when you're working with clients or people or they're going through coaching or they're doing hypnosis or getting you know those affirmations or whatever it is that they're saying to themselves, do you find that by doing that, they uncover what the issue is, they end up losing weight because they're doing those healthier things versus because I feel like sometimes and I think Rachel and I talked about it before when you hear like the body positivity message these days, I feel like what you're saying is like you fix those and then you are going to naturally lose that weight because you're thinking about it differently versus people saying, if you eat 10 Big Macs a day, that's fine. You're great the way you are. (laughs) You know what I mean? Where it's like one thing to accept yourself, like, yes, you're worthy of love no matter what you eat. but we're not, we don't want to like keep you unhealthy by telling you like, good job on eating everything. Do you, does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. That makes total sense. And like just the body positivity alone, like, like that it's like, yeah. And what about health? You know, right. like saying, it's just like, okay, like got it. Right. It's like really healing that whole thing. So, you know, it's a whole holistic approach of like, when you are uncovering, like I always say, you know, through awareness comes freedom. So having those aha moments of like, oh, yeah, like it was, you know, mom's mindset that I took on, like, what do I actually think about health? Like, what's my definition of health? Like, who am I without that? You know, whatever, right? So it's just like, that part, you know, of like, you define, like, you get to define what health looks like for you, right? If health to you looks like going to the drive through and like, what, like, I can't really imagine someone where that would be their picture. But if it did, yeah, great. Good. It's your definition. That's your definition, right? But for myself, like, and I like to look at health. I had a conversation with another nutritionist about this, and she kind of like facilitated my thinking this way. But of like all of the different ways that we need to feed ourselves to equal health, yeah. right? Like there are weeks or like Friday nights or Saturday night where like health to me is having a cocktail. It's like mm-hmm. feeding this social part of my health. It's feeding the fun part of my health. Right. And I kind of look at it as like, uh, I kind of like Marie Kondo my life, like, and my, like, like whatever sparks joy. Right. And it's just like, okay. And without judgment of anything that I put in my body. Now it's taken a process of like, at first it was out of balance. Yeah. Like when I took away like bad food, wrong food, like I, I would um, describe myself in the past as being orthorexic, where it was like, I knew everything that every food did. Like, okay, gluten causes inflammation. And then I'd like have a little, it was like, oh yeah, there it is. Like I could see it, you know, like it was like, you know, I was like obsessed with my bowel movements. Like if they weren't perfect and like right on time, like like, what's going on, you know, like it just like went to a whole different level. So to actually be able to get free of that. So feeding all the different parts, right. But the emotional mastery part is such a big thing right? Because like the reason that we usually reach for food is because of stress, anxiety, sadness, grief, like feeling misunderstood, 
not knowing how to communicate your truth, not knowing how to set boundaries. Like all of this is like a form of abandonment of self. And then the energy stays in your body and it feels upset. And so the way to release it somehow is by eating, right? It's a confident podcast. It's like, especially women, like we don't know how to express ourselves well a lot, you know, like we don't know how to communicate our truth and our boundaries and all the things. And so like, okay, that's just like a skill that like, we're not given, you know, like if you didn't have that modeled of how to set a boundary without sounding like a huge bitch, then you're going to like eat your, you know, whatever. And then you're going to eat stuff later. So when you're actually like on a day-to-day basis being like, mom triggered me today, come to the coach and like, let's feel that pain. You know, let's go into the body and not be scared of feeling the anxiety or not be scared of feeling the anger or get present to the like, oh, this is what anger feels like. Because since we don't have any space, right? And this is where the hypnosis really helps because it slows down the mind, right? Because so often I remember before I did the hypnosis, it'd be like every day it was like, I'm going to stick to my food plan today. I'm going to be perfect. And by like 2 p.m., my hand was in a chip bag and I literally didn't know how it got there. Yeah. Like I would scare me. I was just like, what? You know, like I am an addict. Like this is ridiculous. And like, I used to think I had the most powerful mind in the world. I was like, I can think all day and analyze and like everything. I'm so smart. And then one day I realized when I started meditating, I was like, I actually have the weakest mind in the world because I just let that bad boy go crazy. (laughs) And like, because it was like that, like there was emotions and things that I just was completely unaware of that would immediately have me reach to get rid of it. Cause that was just the mechanism to make it go away. Cause I learned that as a kid. So hypnosis slows down the mind and then you become present. So like, okay, so instead of making myself wrong for binging on that bag of chips or whatever I did just now, or like a hundred cookies, like, let's look at that. Like, what was I feeling before that? What happened? Oh, like I had a bad conversation with my boss and it really bothered me. Okay. Got it. Great. So now let's look at that. You know, like what happened there? So then you start to address that. You get the tools to process the emotions. And so you can't unlearn what you learn, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're learning about your anger, if you're learning how to process your emotions, you're learning where your stuff came from or whatever, you're going to get better at dealing with, right? Your emotional threshold of what you can take day to day increases. So naturally, when you're committed to doing that work and becoming aware of that stuff and working through your emotions and your relationship stuff, your body is going to like, it's gonna, it's not going to just keep going up. Like you're getting healthier all the way around. And so my thing about it is like, what if we could trust our bodies that it knows what size that it's supposed to be? Mm -hmm. I love that. Like what if it, and like, that was a huge thing for me of like, okay, like I was never a tiny kid. Like what if there's just this natural wisdom within my body, right? Based on my past. And does it mean that I can't do subconscious healing and like, discover like a trauma I wasn't aware of or something like that and have it lessen so that my body feels safer to let go of more weight in my life. Like maybe, but like, what if that's not the goal? And so I had to literally take my hands off the wheel. And like I said, my weight went up and it was terrifying. And I had to lean into the work and I questioned every single day, like, nope, I need to go back to that diet. This is not okay. This is not okay. And then I would talk to my coaches about it and they'd be like, okay, so just Think about where you were at when you said yes to changing this mindset. Do you want to go back to that? And at the time I was binging, I was hating myself. I hated everything that was happening. And I was like, the answer to that is no. Like 
it's like, okay, then you have no choice. Let's keep moving forward. (laughs) So, and then my weight came down because I was working on these other aspects of my life that weren't working primarily with my emotions. Right. And I love that you brought up the emotional component because that was actually something that, that I was going to ask because I felt, you know, in my own journey, that was one of the biggest missing components. We could have the, you know, solid mindset. Yeah, I'm gung ho, I'm strong and physically I'm strong and, and all these things. But yeah, the emotions are really the drivers because it's, it's the, it's the reactor. And so, you know, when we're, when we're being triggered, like that example, you said, mom triggered me and learning to reframe that. And it was not that mom triggered me. I was triggered by something mom said. And so it's not, it's deflecting the blame and taking that personal responsibility. Like mom doesn't know what's triggering me. It's up to me to figure out what that trigger is and address that wound because it still is, it needs healing. And so going back into that inner, inner works, the emotional component then helps, you know, you, when you're talking about going the highs and lows, right? You become more regulated and regulating your emotions actually brings your whole body and your stress levels down where you stop feeling like you're, you're so heightened and you're so stressed. And when we know what happens when we get heightened and stressed, we actually hold a lot and we add weight and we feel bigger than we actually are. So really, if we're able to manage our emotions and manage our stress, how much easier the weight actually starts to shed off because it was never actually fat you, you, because you don't get stressed and be like, well, I got fat. Well, you, nobody gets fat overnight and it's just not possible. So we also have to look at those habits. Yes, so it is. Love, just nope, kidding. Not I'm true. kidding. Not true. <laughs> but you know, managing that. And I love that you brought that up because we don't hear it enough. And I don't think that we hear it enough, especially in the fitness and health industry. And we talk about the mindset and the willpower, you know, white knuckling it, go harder, you know, don't be a wuss, push harder. You could do it. You could do it. But nobody talks about the mental element, right? It's such it's such a PowerPoint. And even for me, like with my with my thing, my philosophy is, you know, being fit from within, it's the four pillars is mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical is the byproduct of how fit you are from within. Because we can look the part, you know, we can be all jacked or skinny or whatever it is that's socially acceptable. But inside, if we're not managing those other components, those other pillars, Oh man, that's a hot mess. And there's a cocktail for disaster. And that's what keeps the cycle going because then we feel like we have to continue looking that external part. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And the other thing that I don't think people talk about enough either is how fearful human beings are of other human beings and like of life in general. And it's like, we're walking around talking about the like taking personal ownership of like walking around, like just make sure that that person doesn't say X, Y, Z to me, like, Oh, it's holiday season. Like aunt Betsy is it. And I, you know, and we like spend our whole life, like, what am I going to say back? Like, how am I going to deal with uncle Frank or, you know, like whatever. And it's like, the food is like the subconscious, like putting on layers, like you're saying of this protection of like, I need more distance away from other people. Right. And so like, when you start to actually like be able to say like, and then it gets exciting. You're like, Great. Who's going to trigger me today? Because we learned that the triggers is like some a window of awareness into what's not healed, right? When my ex-boyfriend called me up and told me that my body was bigger, it's like, great, that triggered me. Awesome. Like, here we go. Next layer, like regardless of that human. So it's like, for anyone listening, it's like, what would it be like for you if you like walked around like interested and open to like, what does trigger you so that you can go deeper, which 
make sure that you have a system of support for that because it's not too fun being alone. And that if you don't have a system of support, then the food is your system of support. Right. So um, anyway, yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. So much goodness. Just all like jam packed. And I feel like we could talk for hours. Seriously. Like, we need a part two. Yeah. This sure. is like, all this is my jam. This is what I talk about in the book. This is what I do like in life. Like this, this is such, this a, is what a I experience. Yes. Like this. Absolutely. That's at the heart of a lot of it. Right. Lot. And I think that for anyone that won't, when we have like this, you know, pivotal transformation that, that a radical transformation that really happens in our life, it becomes that crux that we have got to help that person that, that is, you know, just a step or two behind us. And it's like, we, you know, feel like committed to that work of ours because it's like one we found that key that set us free, we want to unlock for other people as well. So of course, you know, we're going to, you know, how how are people going to learn more about you and find out more about you? And like, this is just so intriguing and, and fascinating. So I love all this stuff. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation. It feels very, this, whew, it's like a, <laughs> a whirlwind of like just conscious talking and it's awesome. Yeah. You can easily just jump over to my podcast. It's on every podcast platform, hypnosis for permanent weight loss. I also have a free training. Uh, if you text the word hypnosis, if you live in the United States to 72727, um, you'll get a link texted to you, name and email, and you'll pop onto that training. Awesome. Huh. So of course, we're going to put that in the show notes. And, you know, we just want to thank you for your for the time. I mean, this has just yeah. been incredible. And um, we're just honored to have you here and just share showcasing your expertise and your knowledge and your life experiences. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for the work that you're doing. Thank you. We appreciate you so, so much taking time to listen to our podcast. If you love what you've been hearing and you're looking forward to hearing more content from us, be sure you take the time to subscribe, like, and review the Confident Woman podcast. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to do so. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Confident Woman podcast. Um, for more ways to connect with us, check out our Facebook group. It's the Confident Woman on Facebook. There's a ton of amazing ladies in that group that you can connect with as well. My Instagram is at Aaron underscore travels for life. Make sure you go ahead and follow that and follow Rachel as well. What is yours, Rachel? You can follow me on all social medias at I am Rachel Brooks. Awesome. Thanks so much. Look forward to checking you next week.